You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony. Peg Kingman is formerly a tea merchant and technical writer. She lives on a mountaintop in Northern California where she grows tea and plays the bagpipe. Her first novel is Not Yet Drowned. Thank you for speaking with me, Peg. My pleasure. Thanks for inviting me. Peg, this is your first novel, and you come out of a technical writing background. Uh, Clearly, there's some sort of connection. Could you tell me when and where and why and how you first started writing fiction? I've been uh, attempting to write fiction since I was about 20. I've made, you know, several previous stabs at what eventually turned out to be this novel. This novel, Not Yet Drowned, is a mystery set in Scotland and India. And it seems to me, looking back on it, that I have been trying to write this novel for nearly 30 years now. I've tried to write um, romances set in Scotland. I've tried to write mysteries, and I've tried to write serious novels set in India. This novel is um, all three of those rolled into one. You chose an unusual time period. 1821 is a really different time from the way the world is now because they didn't really know all about the world. It's, it's profoundly different. It's profoundly different, but it's the start of when the world came to be known and understood the way we understand it now. Um, it is the start of um, many of the technologies that have borne fruit for us in the last 20 to 30 years, or even longer. And it's the start of when the world came to look and feel the way it now looks and feels. When you start writing about uh, something history, your main character lives in Scotland. Most of the action unfolds in India. How did you manage this research? Well, how to manage the research, um, thanks to another one of our very useful technologies, the internet. Uh, you can research almost anything from almost anywhere now, which wasn't the case 20 years ago. Um, and in addition, um, to write a novel set in Scotland and India gives me the wonderful reason to travel to Scotland and India, and I have done that too. Well, tell us about your travels in Scotland and India. <laughs> well, you know, I was thinking as I as I drove into town today about the, the architecture that... Um, I admired so much in Scotland, uh, Edinburgh's new town is exactly the same architecture that I saw and admired in Calcutta. They were built at exactly the same time by the same architects, um, affected by the same aesthetics. And it was just so interesting to um, see what those buildings look like now in Edinburgh and what they look like now in Calcutta. When you traveled, did you travel with research in mind, or was uh, the research a byproduct of the travel? <laughs> no, the research was definitely um, my my first and foremost reason, particularly when I went to India. Um, that trip was planned around um, going to the places I needed to go, seeing the things that I needed to see in India for purposes of this novel. Well, another, there's uh, two other things that clearly inform this novel that clearly come directly from you. That's tea and bagpipes. Tell us about your work as a tea merchant and growing tea. That I didn't really know you could grow tea in California. Well, you can grow it in California, although it's not an ideal climate. And I grow only a very small amount of it, and only for my own use at this point. Um, but I was very excited during uh, the time when I was a tea merchant um, some years ago to come across a source for tea plants. 
and I got enough of these young plants to take off to a local um, nurseryman friend who kindly propagated them for me to the point where I was able to offer them for sale and shipped uh, and sold tea plants all across the United States. And I like to think that there are plants alive out there in various um, parts of our continent. Uh, I hope that they thrived and I hope that they are producing tea. Well, tell about the different kinds of tea because it's an unusual form of tea that launches this novel. Uh, different kinds of tea. Well, if all, all real tea is the product is made from the leaves of a particular plant we now call Camellia sinensis, um, the wild Chinese Camellia. However, for many years, it was thought that tea was not a camellia, and it was uh, named its own uh, species name, uh, Tia, Tia sinensis. And uh, it was very controversial for many years as to whether the um, wild plants brought down out of the mountains between India and China could possibly be tea plants. Uh, it was denied for a long time that they could possibly be tea plants. Uh, finally discovered that it was indeed tea, that tea did indeed grow in the wild outside of China. And that was the start of the Indian tea industry. Now, this novel is also informed by bagpipes, and that might be one of the reasons you live on a mountaintop in Mendocino <laughs> County. <laughs> well, if I didn't live on a mountaintop in Mendocino County, I would have had... Um, fewer opportunities to practice playing bagpipes, that's for sure. But my neighbors are far away and tolerant, so that, that helps. Um, this, this novel is about bagpipe music. I'm not sure I can even explain in any intelligible way why bagpipe music and tea both had to be in this novel, but they were both um, operating powerfully in my life at the same time, and the story that came to me seemed to want to be the same story, and it seemed to me that I had no choice but to put them into the same story, and as things worked out, I think that was the right choice, but I still don't know why. Well, tell us a little bit about the story, how it unfolds. It's really got a fascinating beginning. I'm not sure I can tell you how it unfolds without... Um, without spoiling it, but I will tell you uh, a little bit about the fascinating beginning. We have a young Scottish widow in Edinburgh in 1822. Um, she's there with um, her deceased husband's young daughter from his previous marriage. Um, and in addition to her husband having died in the previous year, her twin brother has also died in India. Um, so she somehow receives a package, apparently from India, apparently from the twin brother, which contains a caddy of tea and a paisley shawl and a manuscript of bagpipe music, traditional bag bagpipe tunes. These tunes are in her brother's handwriting, and tucked in with these tunes is one tune of his own composition some years earlier, which he has now retitled Not Yet Drowned. One thing that, that fascinates me about this novel is your willingness to kind of combine different genres, his history, m mystery, and, and, and romance. Why, what made you think those all would go together? Uh, what made me think they would go together? Um, my own life experience, perhaps? <laughs> uh, they're all part of life. Tell us a little bit about just writing this novel. You said you've been working on it, in a sense, for 30 years. When did you start 
writing this novel that we see right now. And tell us a little, how did you um, write it all at once or did you show parts to people? I, as some, as a first novelist, I'm really curious as to how you came, went, made the journey from the pen on the page to the book in your hand. Hmm. I, write, I started working on this novel about seven years ago and it took me a good five years to produce a complete draft that I was willing to show to anyone besides my writing buddies. Um, well, how many people were in your writing buddies group? There are only three of us. We meet uh, every two or three weeks. Um, I, I live in a place where population is pretty sparse, so we were lucky actually to scrape three of us together. Um, so the th there were only those two people who had seen it before I got it to the point where I figured it was finished and it was time to start showing it to some other people. I um, mustered my courage and got in touch with an agent I had first met 30 years earlier in New York. And I wasn't sure whether to hope she did or did not remember me, but she did, and invited me to send in uh, what I had and um, read it very carefully, very critically, gave me a really professional critique on it, uh, which included the recommendation that I do a pretty significant rewrite on certain aspects of it. And so I uh, buckled down to work and did that rewrite. And by the time she got it back again, she was very enthusiastic about it and had it sold within two and a half weeks. That's really fantastic. I mean, this is a, a, a first edition hardcover book. That's hard to come by these days. I can't believe my good luck, and I hope I do not wake up from this dream anytime soon. <laughs> Have you started a new novel? Yes. And is it also a historical romance, romantic mystery? Um, I would say that it's uh, in the same universe as this first novel, Not Yet Drowned. Well, now that's an interesting way to put it. Does that mean that we're going to see some of the same characters? Is it, uh, is it something of a sequel, or is it just in the same time zone? I would say that uh, it does include a couple of the same characters at a different time in a different part of the world with a different problem. Well, that sounds fascinating. We've been speaking with Peg Kingman. Her new novel is Not Yet Drowned. Thank you for speaking with me, Peg. Thank you. You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony. <laughs>